Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another exciting evening at, on the Cisco and Falzone Hour, broadcasting politics with Cisco Acosta and Mark Falzone. Welcome, Mark. Hey, good evening, sir. <laughs> and, and I also wanted to say... We're sponsored by students for yes. a better future. You do that. You do that way better than I do, and I, I apologize, Doreen, because we love you from here. You, you, are, you are the best. Well, I tell you, if if what President Trump did today doesn't convince you that he is fighting against the the deep state and the globalists, nothing would will convince you, because he signed. An executive order today, Communications Decency Act, CDM. This law used to protect companies from being sued over content. That appears on the platforms and allows for context to be moderated and basically remove anything that they, be, they feel is not agreeable. So this basically today with this executive order changes that perspective. Now the FCC is going to be basically monitoring the social media companies, the tech companies like Twitter. Yeah, but can we trust them? No, no, hold, 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 hold it. Yeah, hold it. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Let, me, uh, let me do my monologue and then, and then you can go on. Your... So what's going to happen now is in the past, they would remove your posts, your content, because they didn't appreciate it, because it was basically targeting who they favor, which is the Democrats, the left wing. Uh, so today, by President Trump signing this, this allows you, me, everyone that wants to have and express themselves in a way that is not so politically correct by the left would allow you to actually even sue them for removing the post. So I think it's a, it's a great victory for conservatives, for libertarians, for anyone that basically has been put in jail by the Facebook police and the Twitter police and the uh, Instagram police. All those social media giants Today, got a waking, waking, uh, basically, they, they got their ass kicked today, okay? And I think the president did the right thing, and I think a lot of people are really going to appreciate this come November. All right. That was my rant. Go ahead, Mark. Okay. I wanted to say, first of all, let's identify the arrogance of Twitter to assign a fact check to the president's tweets when a deluge of deceit and lies come out of Democratic tweets constantly. 
Now, I wanted to say for my personal record, last year I was in Facebook jail eight months of the 12. As far as Twitter goes, I've had two Twitter accounts suspended. I'm on my third. And my first one, I had hundreds of followers. It was really catching on. Uh, And I never uh, threatened to kill anybody, to cut anybody up, uh, anything like that. Occasionally, yes, I was vulgar, but uh, say la vie, the 21st century. But uh, that's not, I have to that's wonder normal, if this went far enough. Uh, I, I really do. Let's see. Because I did notice Mark Zuckerberg running like a little girl away from Twitter and lying, saying, oh, oh you know. We don't do that. Mike Fanny, anyone who's on Facebook who's conservative, patriotic, sees Facebook inserting fact check BS yes. on yes. posts that are uh, factual and hurt the left and expose them for the rat duh, 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 that they are. You, you, right. You'll get a, fact, uh, a, a Facebook fact checker. Inserted in there, which is so Zuckerberg lied. I'm not surprised, but what I am happy about is that again, he was scurrying like a little girl away from Twitter and even lying about it, which means he has a fear and a respect for what Trump potentially can do. And I hope that alone mutes the Facebook. censorship okay. that occurs Definitely. because we all know if you go on Facebook you can't make fun of Muslims oh no you can't make yeah. fun of black people oh no you what's open season is whites christians uh our constitution so yeah. hopefully this Definitely. will be enough i don't i don't know if it will but uh, well, we had to do something. We had to do something. We, we cannot let these social media organizations dictate definitely. the theme and our pace. And they definitely. are trying to influence the election. And they suck yeah. moose parts, uh, I would have to say. Definitely. Okay, on okay. you, Cisco. Well, no, no. We've got to call the, our guest right now. We've got a, Dr. Durrell. Uh, is <coughs> Dr. Durrell. Dr. Durrell, how are you? Good evening. Uh, welcome to the Cisco and Falzone Hour in Broadcast Politics. We're excited to have you tonight. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Definitely, definitely. So um, if you just could basically uh, give us a, a little preview of who you are and, and, and the things that you've done. And uh, I love the title. Coronavirus analyst, physician, coronavirus analyst. Please go ahead. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'm a hospitalist, so that's a doctor that focuses on hospital medicine. So we don't have outpatient clinics. We don't have offices. It's Mm -hmm. a specialty that started in the late 90s. And I also did a year of training in infectious disease when I was at Chapel Hill when I was the chief president. So I have a background in infections. And now I oversee a hospitalist and ER company that is in 19 states. We have 2,000 doctors, and I'm in charge of our COVID-19 treatment strategy 
I'm in charge of our weekly updates on the most current treatment. Uh, and uh, I also have a book, Your Healthcare Playbook, and yeah. uh, I have an app that's out now called My Doc Replay that's been very popular in the COVID times because people can't visit the hospital. They can't visit their loved ones. So I have an app that is allows people to, in a secure way, record the summary from the doctor and mm-hmm. share it with their family, whether they're out of state or or even if they're just out in the parking lot waiting for them. Fantastic. We'll, we'll, we'll plug in the book and, and we'll plug in the app and, and on our website and definitely, uh, you know, get it, get pe- more uh, of our listeners basically go and purchase your book because it, it, it definitely is, you need, in today's world, you definitely need a playbook, especially a playbook that you know, modern medicine. So, so one of the reasons um, we've been getting a lot of requests uh, in regards to having someone who's an expert in regards to this whole coronavirus world that we're living in, this, this new normal. And one of the things that, that um, was brought up to my, in a lot of the conversations I've had is, would you consider today's COVID-19 truly a pandemic? Sure. Yeah, it's a pandemic. I okay. mean, a pandemic is a pandemic is an infection that is spread over a large part of the world. So, once you okay. have a certain number once you have a certain number of countries from the original source that actually have the virus and have spread it, then, you know, an epidemic is slightly less than a pandemic. Um, And so, yeah, I think we we have clearly met the criteria for a pandemic. You have. So what's the, what's the difference between COVID-19 and in 2008, 2009, when we had almost 60,000 people who die during the uh, during the Obama uh, administration, the, the swine flu. Why was not Why was that not a pandemic? And why is the flu, which kills more people around the world every year, not a pandemic? Well, there have been flus that have been pandemics. Nineteen eighteen, nineteen sixty eight, right. nineteen fifty seven. So we've had right. flu pandemics. Yeah, we have. Right. So okay. So why did we not? Why did the world not lock down in 1968, which was 68 to 69? So that was around Woodstock. Woodstock still happened, and there was all these people. And I think I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, 100,000 people died in the U.S. Uh, during the 68 to 69 pandemic. But yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I actually, yeah. it might have been, yeah, it might have been a little more than that. But, um, yeah, we didn't so, lock down because I don't think that we knew. I don't think we had enough experience, and it caught us off guard. And, you know, I think that we did some isolation in 1918. Obviously, the famous Philadelphia versus, you know, St. Louis, when you compare the two cities. So we did some isolation in 1918, but there were so many years between pandemics that 
I think we we just forgot. And so there was some okay. isolation, but nowhere near what we did for this. And I think it was only our inexperience with pandemics. Right. But every year we have the flu, and the flu kills more people on a global scale, and the world does not lock down. That's, that's where a lot of the individuals that I've been corresponding that listen to the show, they're, they've been saying every year we have all this, the flu, people die in, in large numbers, and the world does not get locked down. Why is this different from any other year that the flu impacts the whole world? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Yeah, there's a Mm -hmm. couple of reasons. I don't think it's the word pandemic that makes it different. I think it's the fact that it was a novel coronavirus. To me, that was the difference. Yeah, you had H1N1 in 2009. We had SARS. We had MERS. Um, Yes. but, But the difference here was that this virus is something that we have not seen before. We have, and we've seen influenza year after year. So that was different, number one. Number two, this is more deadly than the flu. Even by anyone's estimates, it's more deadly than the flu. Number three, we don't have any treatment for it. We do now, but at the time that we went into kind of lockdown, we didn't have any treatment, we didn't have any vaccine, and we have a vaccine for influenza. And we have treatments. We have three drugs. So I think the fact that we had no treatments, we had no vaccines, it was a novel virus. And you add all that together, I think it, it was the right thing to do social distancing and isolation. I wouldn't have called it lockdown because I think that was extreme. But I think it was the right thing to do uh, at the time. Okay. Okay. Great. I, I, I can accept that. But then at the same time, we have a renowned doctor who's been working at NIH for so many years. He's served so many administrators. I mean, he has a world tons of experience. He becomes the, the spokesperson for the task force, him and Dr. Burks. And we have him on tape in January of 2017, fully knowing what was going on in Wuhan province. What was going on in that, in that laboratory? And Mr. Fauci came out and said, Americans don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to wear face masks. You don't have to do this. A month later, a month and a half later, he's, in, he's advising the president that we need to lock down the whole country because this was a deadly virus. Knowing very well, because, you know, there's a relationship between him and Bill Gates and the the lab in Wuhan province. That's been documented. It's not a conspiracy. It's well documented. Uh, During the Obama administration, $375 million went to that laboratory. So where I'm going at with this is fully knowing that. And having all these politicians in New York and different parts saying, keep doing what you're doing. Chinese New Year, go celebrate it. Don't worry about it. Go to the beach. Go, go, go everywhere. Two months later, they're ex- imposing these extreme lockdowns that they're unconstitutional to begin with because they're only allowed up to 28 to 30 days, according to some state uh, 
the, the state constitution. So what I'm trying to get to is every year all these indiv- all these the flu kills so many individuals, and the Dr. Fauci, who's a you know has so much experience dealing with viruses, he he has a sudden change. I mean he he he, he tends to basically say one thing one hour and then say another thing. I mean now he says. Well, well, you know, the, uh, um, we may not get a second wave uh, if we do this. Or, you know, uh, wearing a face mask is symbolic. When he said, no, you've got to wear a face mask. So what I'm trying to say is, where are we actually when it comes to the coronavirus? You said the coronavirus is, is a novel. It's different. But coronavirus is part of, of there's, it's similar to SARS and MERS. I mean, it's part of the family of germs. Correct? It is. But the difference between SARS and MERS was that SARS and MERS were more deadly, but much less infectious. There were only 3,400 cases of MERS. Now, you think about that. That's the total number of cases. Now, 60% of people that got it died. So... The reason this is very different is that it is much, much more infectious. I mean, we have what? We have 5 million people worldwide that have coronavirus. We had 3,400 that had MERS. So I think that's what made it very different. Yes, but a lot of these cases, Dr. Dorrell, has been impact. It's been impacting nursing homes individuals individuals that had underlying health issues to begin with okay and the rest have been cases of people dying in their homes if we do research on this most hospitals are empty today most hospitals I can tell you in New York City because I, you know, it's very few are overwhelmed as we were told that they were going to be overwhelmed. The majority of them, I have someone that I know, he's been doing videos, going to different hospitals in, in Manhattan, the Bronx, Queens, empty. The ICU, every, every empty. So if it was a pandemic, which I, again, when I say pandemic, I mean every hospital should be overwhelmed. And every hospital in the United States is not overwhelmed. So that, that's, that's the reason I'm, 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 I'm trying to understand where, why they... Well, I, I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to, again, you know, you are right that most hospitals in the United States were not overwhelmed. In fact, they were half empty. And yeah. so you're right about that. However, we did have some hot spots. you know, Chicago, mm-hmm. New Orleans, New York... Mm-hmm. Seattle. We had cities that came close to reaching their capacity, but you're right. They never exceeded it. However, I think that, and so you're right about that, but the reverse side of that is if we didn't go into some amount of isolation, it would have been worse. There's no doubt about that. So I I think it was right to isolate, but it's also right to open up. And you are right that the predictions were much, much more dire than what happened. I'll agree with you on that. I'll agree that hospitals were empty 
And I think there was more, I wouldn't say more, there was a lot of damage done for people that didn't go get treatment that should have gotten it, whether they had a heart attack or stroke, Mm -hmm. simply because they were told to lock down and not leave their house. And I think that was wrong. So I think it was right to isolate, but we should have had a message that said, look, if you're at low risk, move around. That's fine. If you have a a condition, uh, chest pain, if you think you're having a heart attack, please go to the hospital. And I think we could have not stopped elective surgeries as well. So I think that we could have had a more moderate response. I will agree with you on that. But I think what we did do was helpful in preventing deaths in the U.S. No, no, I agree with you on that, uh, Dr. Durrell. I, I think, I think it's, there's been an imbalance in how this, this, whole, this whole execution of the lockdowns ha- has been. I think the science, you know, first of all, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks have been following the imperial model. And that, that imperial model has been wrong from the beginning. It's been debunked as totally, you know, a fraud. Uh, and that's the model that, they, that was used by Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx to, to advise the president. What, what's your take on Wait, that? Can I chime in here? I'd like to chime in. First of yeah, all, I wanted to say Fauci has been all over the map. Face masks are good, face masks are bad. Staying in is good, staying in is bad. Second yes, go thing ahead. is, Everyone's using that number of 100,000. I don't believe them. I, they've been lying to us for three straight years. They're not telling the truth now. There's not 100,000 deaths. There's less. Uh, look, we've even had a death in our family from this, and I still don't believe it. I had to say that, sis. No, no. that's. Uh, we have a 732-539. Do you have a question for Dr. Durrell? Is that me? Yes. Go ahead. Oh, hi. It's, uh, hi. Yeah. Uh, hi, doctor. N- nice to talk with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. My name is Vicki. Um, hi, Vicki. I have probably a thousand, a thousand questions. Um, <laughs> one about when you're talking about, uh, I'll try to make it fast. No, no, um, no. Dr. Fawcett. Take your time. Ta- and, take your time. And those guys, all right, Gates and all of them. I mean, I have no, from the very first day I saw his face, I didn't trust him, so I don't trust him now, and I don't trust any of them. Second thing is, uh, I have never gotten a flu shot, I've never gotten a pneumonia shot, and I don't intend to get the vaccine. So I don't know what you think about that, but I don't trust them. I don't know what they're going to stick in my body. That's (laughs) another thing. (laughs) 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 I mean, this is Absolutely true. I, I, they will, I will not let them do that. The next thing is, well, oh, God, I just made a thought there for a minute. Maybe uh, talk for a while. <laughs> I'm thinking. Well, let me answer what you said. I mean, first of all, all right, I'm just going to, you know, I did extra training in infectious disease at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And when I, that was in the early 90s. And Tony Fauci was the guru of HIV. He's the guru of vaccines. He is so well-respected. He's a pure scientist. I think that uh, he's going to call it as as he sees it. And what he did was, early on, 
he didn't know as much about it, so he said some things I think that he reversed his course on, and that's what we want him to do. I think that, you know, when you don't know something's moving quickly, you want to tell people what you know now and then correct it as we go. So I, I trust Tony Fauci. I'm going to say that, and I think I, as a scientific mind, I believe in him. In terms of vaccines, I would say that, you know, if you, depending on your age, you're going to be much better off if you take a vaccine for pneumonia and influenza. It's going to reduce your risk of dying of both of those diseases. Um, Now, in terms of the vaccine for coronavirus, I'm with you. I think that I'm going to want to really see a lot of data, make sure it's safe, because it's a brand-new vaccine. But at the other side of the coin is it's pretty deadly for a lot of people in different age groups and I would rather take the risk on the vaccine than I would facing coronavirus if I'm in a high-risk group. So uh, the jury's out. Let's see what, which vaccine wins this race, uh, and let's see how safe it is. I go by the data. So far, they gave it to eight people in Seattle. It worked great. It was safe. It showed an immune response. Now they're going to do it in about 800 people, and then by the fall, They'll be doing it in many thousands of people. And once we see that, if it's safe, I'm going to take it because I don't want to get coronavirus. Well, uh, well I, nobody I can, does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you, you continue. If you have another question for um, more questions for Dr. Durrell. Yeah, I still, I, the thing is, I don't trust the numbers. You know, I don't trust which numbers. What's being what dead. numbers don't you trust? Which all which the, number? All the, blooming, all the blooming numbers. How many COVID patients that are, you know are COVID or are they not? And we know that. Um, I just don't. I, I don't know how to explain it. I just don't trust what they're saying. And this staying in, like I've been in two months in, in my apartment, like they were told to do, without letting anybody in, and that's awful. And these damn masks are about, they're no good. (laughs) You know, you can't breathe in this. It's horrible. And I I don't intend to walk around in the world the rest of my life with a blooming mask on. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like all this stuff. Now I'm out, okay? Now I go out out of my place. People, I let anybody come in. Not everybody will. But um, I let my friends come in to my place. And we have coffee, we talk, we laugh, whatever. You know, I go outside, I don't have a mask on, I'm breathing air. It's wonderful <laughs> to get air. And uh, Well, I think you're doing everything right. I mean, I, I'm i right there with you. I mean, I, I would let friends to your house if you know them um, and you know their exposure. I would go outside. I don't think anyone outside needs to wear a mask, whether you're jogging, running, cycling, walking. I don't think you need a mask outside. I don't care if you're on a beach as long as you're distancing. So my my worry about a mask is if you're inside. So think about the volume of space, volume of people, and the amount of time. Think of those three things. If I'm in a small space with a lot of people for a long time, that's bad. I want a mask on. If I'm in a huge space, particularly outside, that's the biggest there is, but let's say you're in a big area, inside and with a very few number of people for a very short period of time then i wouldn't wear a mask i don't care so i kind of look at those variables 
to help me decide whether I want to wear a mask. And in some cases I do, in some cases I don't, and I never wear one outside. So I think you're actually doing all the things that I would agree with, except I would be washing my hands, you know, uh, very consistently. Perfect. Well, I, 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 don't, I, I, wash, I wash my hands after you go to the bathroom. I wash my <laughs> hands, you know, when I come back in from outside. But I don't keep Good. washing my hands all day long. No, you know, no. I no think if you to, touch a new surface, <laughs> if you touch a new surface outside of your home, so you go somewhere, like let's say you go to a restaurant, uh, and you're in a restaurant and you're touching the surface of that table, you're touching other things, I would wash my hands after that. That's my point. Um, I think when you're well, in contact with some new surfaces, yeah, that's what I would do. Well, but, uh, but we can't we can't go to a restaurant. We're not allowed. To, I mean, why are we all in lockdown? I think it's. I think everybody should be let loose and then see what happens. You know. Well, I, you know I mean, I my only worry about that extreme. is that a lot of people have died from this, and I think. I think that if you're at high risk, if you have underlying health conditions, you know, if you're over 55, 60, if you're in that category, you your your chances of having a bad outcome are much higher. In that group, I'd want to be more careful. However, the other people I think should be moving about, and I think those people should move about, but they should be more careful. So uh, I live in Tennessee. We're open. I went to a restaurant for dinner tonight. Um, I did not wear a mask based on the things that I just said, and I think we should yeah, be moving eat. around. That's well, right. You can't you can't wear a mask and eat. I'm sorry, you can't do that. So I will agree with you on that. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad Vicky Vicky brought me into the the next one because how, how do they come to the conclusion that it's six foot distance? How come it's not nine? How come it's not? 10 how come it's not 26 how, 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 do, how do they know that if, if you're stu- if you're studying a new virus they came out and did and they said six feet distancing that's number one number two initially they said the surfaces they can stay there for a couple hours a couple of days now the CDC just came out and they've been going back and forth well now, with the surface, you'll be fine. Next day. Oh, no. Have, I'm sorry. Have, but no, let, 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 let me just finish, and, and I'll, get, I'll get back to you. So, Dr. Durrell, this constant, it's like in my field, I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer, and I tell my customer, one week I tell him this, and then next week I tell him, you know what he's going to say to me? You know, I don't need you because you, you keep flipping back and forth. You're supposed to be the expert. You know, CDC, the WHO, you know, the WHO implemented, the WHO was the one who implemented the six-foot distancing. And they passed it on to the CDC, which passed it on to everyone, to Dr. Fauci and everyone, because that's how it works. Correct? That's and, right. And that, I mean, the, yeah, that, the six feet really came more from the, swan, uh, the H1N1. Um, okay. And so there, there is no data. There is no data in coronavirus that's, on the appropriate distance. You're right. I will agree. They're basing yeah. it all on prior diseases. They're basing it on, in particular, H1N1, okay, and a, a strain of the influenza that was very bad uh, in 2009 in the U.S. So that's kind of where that's coming from. So I will agree 
that six feet is not a magic number. Um, some people say it should be more. Some people say it should be less. Um, but I think it's a, definitely a good guide. But you're right. There's no data on coronavirus itself. It's based on prior infections. I'll agree with you on that. Okay. You're the doctor. I believe you. But <laughs> the next thing is... Well, you're the, right. Uh, There's no data. There's no data there's on no, coronavirus. And there's, yeah, no there data is, in regard, and there's no data on the surface either because they constantly... It, 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 to me, it appears like they, they're basically juggling back and forth, Dr. Durrell. Uh, well, there's data, there's data that it lives... Okay, there's data that you can find it on the surface, okay, for hours later, up to 24 hours, different surfaces, plastic, metal, etc. The real question is, will it infect you? It's different to find it. It's another thing to make sure that it's actually causing infection in someone. And that's what we've not really proven well. And if I were the CDC, I would just say we're not sure and end it at that because we don't know. That's what I would say. Dr. Durrell, you've, yeah. been elect, you've been elected to be the coronavirus task force uh, spokesperson. That's what I want to hear. That's what I yeah. want to hear. I don't want to hear one week, this is no good. Next week, yes, you need to do this. It's constantly juggling back and forth. It's frustrating because it, it panics yeah. the, the, the masses. It, it, makes, it, it makes me doubt that they're really experts because that, they seem incompetent. Uh, when when it comes to that, so I would take the approach that you just said. They should until they actually. We don't know. We don't we know. Don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I would respect and that. I, a lot I'll more. say this: we do know that, you know, when you look at the data in China, Taiwan, South Korea, it's very rare to get it outside. In fact, there's only one case that I know. Of. So, I would be able to say I think you're safe outside. That's what I would say. And I'll agree, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Some people believe that it's better to uh, exaggerate the danger of this disease so that people fear it and they will be more likely to stay inside and adhere. Um, I think that's a bad strategy. I think you should simply tell the truth. Tell the data, tell the risk, and don't try to engage in hyperbole because what happens is what you said. What you begin to see is you erode the trust of the public. If you have the imperial model where you're going to have 3 million Americans dead, uh, allegedly, and that doesn't happen, if you say this causes the infection or this doesn't and it doesn't happen, then you lose all credibility. So my advice to Fauci and everyone advising the public is simply tell the data and let them interpret it and don't try to have a spin or story on it. Because once you exaggerate anything, for any reason, people will not trust you. And I think that's really what you're saying. Exactly. Vicky, go ahead. For, uh, yes. Ask, uh, uh, Dr. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Oh, one, one quick little question, and then I have another one. But um, <laughs> how come <laughs> – so I told you. Um, how come you can put a mask on that doesn't work? And nobody puts goggles on. You're supposed to have goggles on. But nobody on the TV, on any place, except you, Cisco, <laughs> will talk about goggles. So why, why, why are goggles not being, because we, we, our eyes are sensitive to that, so why aren't they being put on too? 
<laughs> along well, with they should they should be put on. You're you know what you are exactly right, and thank you for saying that. In the hospital, my doctors across the country, they have a shield. They either have goggles on or a shield, an entire clear shield that covers their face. And the reason for that is it's really covering their eyes because the eyes are a portal of entry of viruses. And we know that those droplets can get into your eye and can get into your body. And so I wear glasses, sunglasses, most of the time because I lived in Florida for so many years. Uh, and when I'm in a medical situation, I do wear goggles, and no one's talking about it, and I think it's a great idea. Some people have suggested that people should be wearing those, either the clear goggles or glasses or those shields. So it's been suggested, and I think it's a good idea. And I would tell you a situation I would definitely wear them would be on a plane. I think being on a plane is a high-risk situation. And I would not only wear a mask, I'd wear goggles, and I think it's a great point because uh, it's certainly a way to get it. Okay, because nobody talks about it, and nobody around here puts it on except in my pharmacy. They have the shield that covers them, okay? And you can't even go in there. You are right. You are right. I just advised a doctor and his wife that were flying, and I recommended that uh, they wear glasses and cover their eyes. And it's something nobody's talking about. I think it's a great thing to to discuss, and uh, it is another way to get it. Because if you have droplets in the air, they can get in your eyes as much as they could get in your nose. So um, I think it's a great thing. Good idea. Well, maybe, maybe why doesn't Dr. Fossey ever say that? Never. He should. That he not, should. That, I, 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 he I have should. never heard it on the news at all. And here's the last thing. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll try to make. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm take, taking the, all take your time, time here. When does this virus stop? You know what I mean? Like, it's summertime now. People want to go to the beach, and they're they're talking about social distancing. I mean, really? You don't go in the water. Put get, put uh, masks on when the lifeguards get up uh, way up high. I mean, some of this is crazy stuff. And and I think they're scaring the hell out of people, which is also it's somewhere it's got to stop. When when does this stop? <laughs> well, I think I, this I, virus I, it'll be around way, for a while. A high risk person. It will. No, I was just going to say the virus is going to be around for a while, just like a lot of other viruses. So I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's just going to fizzle out. So it's going to disappear. Uh, over time, uh, and people will get immune to it, or they'll get the vaccine, or they'll get it. And it'll eventually be something that, um, you know, two years from now, we won't even think about. However, I think we can go to the beach. I think being outside is fine. I think going in the water is fine. So I, I don't agree with all of that. I think once you're outside, you're pretty well protected. Uh, unless you're in a huge group, I wouldn't be in a concert with you know, 80,000 people on the, you know, in a mosh pit. I wouldn't do that because I think that's I too agree. close for comfort. Right so, now. Right now. So, but at some point, it's, it, I think it's going to, what do they say, flatten the curve, whatever they're talking about. That means, you know, lower it until it's not going to be around. Is that is is that what's going to happen or do we have to wait another year? I think it's going to slowly people. fade out and we'll have outbreaks. So, I think that it'll slowly die down through the summer, and during the fall, we'll have an outbreak like 
Maybe Charlotte, South Carolina, or North Carolina, or maybe it'll be in, you know, Cincinnati, for example. I think we'll have outbreaks in certain areas, and in those areas we're going to have to be more cautious. But, no, I, I don't see a big second wave in the fall. Uh, I don't see that happening. I think we had the worst of it. And I think it'll slowly fizzle out if we all do the things that we've said. So, um, and I'm not worried about being outside. Okay. So, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay. Thank you so, very much. Uh, no, no, great, Vicky. So, Vicky did bring up the, this whole thing about the uh, the goggles. I've been wearing goggles since the beginning. Uh, I bought the antiviral goggles. And I wear that with my gloves and my mask. So, and I hardly see anyone wearing goggles. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm out there by myself. Everyone wears a mask. I, I, I don't see too many people wearing gloves. So I wear the whole, I'm, I'm ready for war. So you. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. You have, you're the yeah. right. You're right to wear goggles. And yeah. I'm telling you, when I if I walk in a room with a patient that I think has COVID, I've got my eyes covered. There's no doubt about that. And mm-hmm. you asked an interesting question. Why shouldn't everyone be that way? And I agree with you. So I think that you uh, and the prior listener are on to something. I wish Fauci would bring it up. It is a portal of entry. We know you can get it that way. No one's talking about it. And I think it would be a good thing to bring up. So you're you're ahead of your you're ahead of your time. Well, one of the I have to credit my friend in in, in in Taiwan who has a business in China. So I was in communications with him when the Wuhan situation, and he said, "Listen, you better get an antiviral uh, goggles and and start getting ready because everyone who's down here." From the United States, they're celebrating Chinese New Year. They're going back. Well, I started yep. going to Costco in February, and I was the only one wearing a mask and wearing goggles. You know, and everyone was I looking was at me like I, at you, Cisco. they were laughing I, I at me. Laughing at you. Yeah, I know you would have, uh, <laughs> Mr. Fossil, <laughs> but I didn't really care. And 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 up to today, I'm still wearing the goggles. And you said something very interesting. If you get on a plane, you should wear the goggles, which I would do anyway. If I get on a plane, I would wear the goggles. I would wear everything. I don't really care if, if you know, if people, I want to protect myself. I want to protect my family. But the credibility of the CBC and the WHO, has it been damaged, in your opinion? Yes. Oh, definitely. I think the CDC and the WHO have equivocated They've reversed field on multiple, I think, critical basic instructions. They, the WHO did not act aggressively when they were notified from China. China held, withheld it from the WHO, and when the WHO knew, they weren't aggressive about messaging it. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think they repeated what they did with Ebola. They were slow to act, slow to warn um, I would have recommended a lot more travel bans than they did early on. We know what happened to New York was really a byproduct of out of Europe. I mean, the mm-hmm. number of flights that went into New York City, uh, once we knew about this, really, even when we shut down travel from China, the, tr- the people traveling from Europe into New York 
is what caused the tremendous number and the toll in New York City. So if I were the WHO, early on, I'm talking about December and early January, I would have put out a major alert, a travel ban, recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have been more aggressive. Now, someone interviewed me. I work with a company that developed a test for COVID. They interviewed me on February 11th, and they said, Dr. Durrell, should we develop a test for this new coronavirus? And we didn't even have it. We didn't call it COVID then. <laughs> and and I said, absolutely. So, you know, if I was being asked about it and companies that develop tests knew about it, then I think the World Health Organization should have been much more aggressive. CDC, the same way. Uh, but, you know, my other thing is I don't want to be critical of them today. Let's wait till this is over. Um, and it's the same thing with President Trump. I'm not going to slam him about this or that. I think we need to get through this thing, and then we can Monday morning quarterback it later. Right. I have to um, I have to credit the government, the state government, and the people of Tennessee. Tennessee has one of the lowest COVID infections and deaths. Why is that compared to New York, New Jersey, Illinois, all these big states who have half of basically most of uh, of of the casualties of COVID because a lot of them were in the nursing homes. You know, they went ahead and took infected people and put them back into the nursing homes, knowing that they would kill all those individuals. Why is Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, Florida a model of success in keeping the numbers uh, down? Well, I think Tennessee... Tennessee did a couple of things right. They were very aggressive with testing early. They have done more tests than a lot of other states. Um, They did shut down, uh, I think, not quite as early as Kentucky, but I think still in a timely way. I think that they, they mandated you could not send someone to a nursing home out of a hospital that had COVID and you had to have a negative test. So they, they shut that down. And they also have been on the cutting edge of getting some treatments, giving convalescent plasma. So plasma from someone that's recovered, Mm -hmm. you can get their blood and give it. They've been doing that very early on. They were very aggressive with getting remdesivir, the only drug that's been shown clinically to, to actually improve COVID. So I think, I think they did all those things right. And they also had someone that came back from the Biogen, I believe, conference in Boston, and that's how right. it came into Tennessee. So yes. I think that's another thing. We, we had an early seeding case that came down, and we started to get our act together earlier. And I think those, those were the reasons that Tennessee did well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I was looking at the numbers, and Tennessee, West Virginia, uh, Texas have done – exceptionally well even after the reopening the numbers yeah. are still they're still they're, they're still down as a matter of fact some of the states uh have less covid infection and, and more uh casualty um numbers than even some countries that that's that's pretty yeah. remarkable now yeah uh, i think and, i think georgia is going down and hospitals they, hospitalizations are going down even though they've opened up. So 
I think yeah, that's a te- very good sign. And and Texas too. I, I would say that um, this whole situation now with uh, locking down and 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 expecting an abundance of people coming into the into your hospital. You 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 run a hospital. Uh, hospitals are now losing money. They're laying off nurses, even doctors, and uh, because a lot of the money that was coming in into hospitals were because of selective surgery. What's the impact on the, uh, on the hospital industry? It's been devastating. It's been mm-hmm. devastating. Their operating margins are at a negative 280%. Wow. They're losing hospitals. Wow. So think about that. They're losing $60 billion collectively a month. They oh have, you know, major hospital systems are are furloughing or laying off thousands yes, yes. of employees. All of that is true. Rural hospitals will close because of this. And all of this is because we said no elective surgeries anywhere, which was wrong. What we should have said is if you meet this criteria, you can still do elective surgeries. Because right. many of these hospitals, that's 80% of their income. And we mm-hmm. simply, we destroyed them in their one area, their major revenue source, their most vulnerable point was cutting off those surgeries. And they shouldn't have been cut off. I would have cut them off in New York, maybe Seattle, maybe Louisiana, but I wouldn't have cut them off. Why are you cutting them off in West Virginia? You had maybe five cases. And why exactly. are you stopping surgeries? So I, I think that was a big mistake. Yes, and, and, and another important factor that has come out of this whole coronavirus, um, and, and you may not, and, and, and my audience, the audience may not like hysteria. Hysteria uh, has been the number of individuals that have been told, well, you know, you can't come here because. You know, we're waiting to see a rush of COVID patients and life and death situations that actually have created a, a, a ripple effect because a lot of those individuals actually died in their homes. That's right. That's the tragedy. I would call it the collateral damage. And I think it was the, the draconian message. Yeah. It was that it was the fact this word lockdown, you're safer at home, all of those kind of messaging points, they needed to be nuanced. I would have been saying you're safer at home unless you need to be seen, unless you're having a heart attack, unless you're having a stroke, unless you have a bowel obstruction. Those are things that are not going to get better. You are not better at home then. You're better coming to the hospital, which, by the way, is half empty. And we have a way to segregate patients that have COVID. We have protective equipment. The air in a hospital room is changed 15 times an hour. There are filters. So to me, what we should have said is you're not safer at home if you need to be seen. That's number one. However, if you don't need medical attention, we recommend you stay at home. But that's not what they said. They said it the other way around. They simply said, lockdown, stay at home, stay at home. 
and nobody nuanced that message. And that needs to be discussed because people died because of it. There's no doubt. Definitely. Okay, we've come to the point now. Uh, if you want to plug in your book and, and also um, if you have a website or your app. Yeah, which please. I, I, yeah, please. I, can't, I, can't, I, I think, yeah. yeah, the main thing I would say is, so thank you for that. Um, yeah. I have an app that's free. So hear that. It's free. I'm not making money off this app. It is available on Apple and Android. Just download it. It's called My Doc Replay. When you go to your doctor or if someone you know is going to a doctor and you can't visit with them, ask the doctor, hey, I have an app. I can record your key summary points, my instructions, and we can share it with my family so that we'll be able to review it again and again and make sure we get all your instructions right. You know, my dad recently fell. He lives in Georgia, and I was able to see his doctor in this videotape. He showed me the x-ray, and then once mm-hmm. I talked to my dad, I was able to say, I already saw what the doctor said. So it's a great way to keep everyone on the same page and just download it. It's free on Android and Apple and the App Store. It's called My Doc Replay. My Doc Replay. Fantastic. It, it's gonna, you're going to get a lot of hits <laughs> from that. Uh, and, and, and then the book, the, the, the book, name of your book? Yep, my doc, it's called um, Your Healthcare Playbook, Winning the Modern Game of Medicine. I wrote the book with the NFL, uh, interviewed oh, a wow. lot of people in the NFL. That, that was the yeah. point of the book. I was using football to explain healthcare, and you can get that on Amazon. Um, it's been going hot and heavy uh, during this pandemic, so please, please get the book as well. Definitely, definitely. We'll, we'll, I, I, I'm interested to find out. I'm a big uh, football NFL uh, fan, so. Uh, but that's, that's when you come back for the next time. We'll, we'll have you because there's a lot of questions I have in regards to concussions, and the different types of helmets, and, but we won't touch on that today. Um, something that that's been on my mind ever since we booked you for, for the program is the difference between antibody tests and a viral testing. Recently, CDC came out and admitted, which it was good, gave me a little more hope that they're, they're, they're credible, that they had mixed, mixed the, the, the data, which was a concern, but at least they were honest to say that they have mixed the data. My understanding is that with the viral, you actually get to find out if the person is infected. With the antibody test, it's basically shows in your blood that you've been infected previously. Am I correct? That's right. That's right. Okay. That's perfectly said. So, there's, there's three main tests. There's a PCR test, which yeah. is the main way to look for the viral RNA. So you're looking for the genetic material of the virus. That's the main way to say, do you have COVID today, right now? The next way to find out is an antigen test. And that's not looking for the viral genetic material. It's looking for a piece of the virus, like the capsule. And it's right. not quite as good. It's not quite as accurate. Those are the home tests, uh, but it's still good. But both of those are saying, do you have the infection now? Now, the antibody test is more like 
if you think about a crime scene, it's like looking at the evidence that you had it one time in the past. So it's not saying do you have it today. It's the evidence it's that your immune system had the infection, and so that's looking back in time and saying, okay, I've had the infection. So that's very different than do you have it today. So those are the three kind of tests that exist. Right, right, okay. Now, in regards to counting people, you know, in people who have actually died, there's been a trend. In the state of Washington, the state of Washington's Department of Health was calculating people who got shot in, a, in, 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 in one of the really hot spots in the state uh, of the city of, I think it was Tacoma. They counted that person as a COVID-19, even though he was just shot. So right. this, has been That's going, wrong. This, is, this has been going a trend. So again, like Vicky said, and like Doc, uh, Mr. Falzone said, there has, there has been cases where all these numbers have been padded and inflated. I mean, you said it, it was it's wrong. And why, why, is it, why is the CDC counting these numbers, these individuals? Well, yeah, the only people that I would count are people that are diagnosed with COVID. And exactly, if, yeah. you want to put, if you want to put probable COVID, that's fine, but put them in a different category. Uh, right. But someone that's shot, someone that has a heart <laughs> attack at home, I'm not calling them COVID unless I have a reason to. So uh, I agree with you on that point. I would say it's probably not inflating the numbers in a huge way, but I agree with you. We shouldn't count them. Because if if, even if they're not doing with uh, practically everyone, it, 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 you, you become very suspicious that they're doing sure. it. Now, some, some folks are saying that the reason they're doing it is because if you die tomorrow, it's $5,000. But if you die with COVID, it's $13,000. And if you die with COVID and, and, and you're on a ventilator, it's $39,000 that the hospital would get. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And I think the extra money they're getting is a drop in the bucket to compare to what they've lost. So I don't yes. think people are going to risk committing fraud for that. So uh, I, I've heard that and I've heard those numbers, but honestly – Compared to what they're spending on this disease and what they've lost, I think the hospitals, they're not going to make up enough by doing that. So, um, Well, no, I think, I think and, that's, uh, what, that's yeah. what Medicaid, Medicaid I, is paying. Yeah, and I, I am so sorry, but I'm coming up against my time limit. So I, I am so sorry. We're going to have to do this another time. No, no, no problem, Dr. Durrell. Well, I appreciate you coming on the, on, on the program. We really uh, had a very informative program. And... Uh, Thank you. I'd love to see you back. Let's do it another time. Take care, and thanks to your audience. All right, Dr. Durrell. Thank you. All right. That was Dr. Durrell, a physician, practicing author of Healthcare Playbook. Mark, uh, Vicki, what what did you think? I'm here. Yep. And Mark, what did you think about the doctor? Um, I thought he was... uh, a little too mainstream. Uh, he doesn't seem to be challenging the uh, pseudo norms that yes. have been hoisted on us. 
Uh, like I said about Fauci, he's been all over the map. Uh, the yep. doctor mentioned Fauci and AIDS. Well, the reason everyone loved Fauci was because he was siding with the radical homosexual leftist, and he wouldn't do tracing. And it's funny. They want to do tracing for the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. But back then, they didn't want to do tracing with AIDS, which was probably even more important. And by the way, uh, growing up in Manhattan, I've had two very homosexual friends who both died from AIDS. Right. And uh, one of them, oddly enough, he had all the AIDS symptoms. He died a year before we even heard of AIDS. I mean, right. they literally had him in the bubble in the hospital because he kept on getting infections. He had scabs all over him, you know, just like I saw with, with other AIDS things. But this was a year before AIDS. So I don't believe anything these people say. These leftists have just contaminated almost every facet of our life, which is why I despise them so much. Yep. Okay. Um, we are done. Thank you. Next week we'll have another special guest. Have a good one. Okay, great. Okay, Cisco, be good. Okay, you too. All right, Vicky. All right, talk to you soon. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW group void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus